Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. You have Dr. Wendy Walsh with you. This is the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show. I'm continuing to take your calls. Remember, I'm not a therapist. I'm a psychology professor, but I've been writing and reading and researching the science of love for quite a few decades. Okay, Producer Kayla, who do we have on the phone? We have Anonymous with a question. Okay. Hi, Anonymous. It's Dr. Wendy. Hi, Dr. Wendy. Hi. What's your Um, question? Okay. I've been married for 16 years, Mm -hmm. and... Um, I'll try to keep it short now. Okay. My wife has been heavily influenced by her female boss uh, from our health care to our uh, cell phone plan to the type of washer and dryer that we get. At the same time, this woman doesn't even know our kids, and she's given them birthday gifts and Christmas gifts. Fast forward, three months ago, um, she convinced my wife to get my daughter the COVID shot at 13 years old and Mm -hmm. didn't tell me for two days. Mm -hmm. So there's been a lot of ongoing lies, and at the same time, our, our huge arguments in the middle of the night while the kids are sleeping turns into great uh, intimacy till early hours in the morning. However... Oh, wait. So basically you have uh, big arguments with, in the middle of the night that turn into great makeup sex? Yes. Okay. Awesome. Awesome on that part. Now, um, so with these arguments, now my wife started turning off her phone on the way to work and then on the way back from work. I ended up bu- finding a burner phone inside of her backpack. Um oh. Uh-oh. And yeah, a burner phone. Um, I asked her for this, her. She said no. So I was going to keep it, but I thought, you know what? Let me ask you <sighs> one question. Let me ask you a question, yeah. Anonymous. Yeah. Uh, yes. Do you want this marriage to work? I do. I love my wife. Okay. You want it to work. So she is manipulating you, she's yes. lying to you. She's yes. shutting you out and igniting your fear of abandonment. Have you talked to her yes. about going to therapy together? We went to therapy and she lied. She con- she lied so much that it made the therapist's head spin. That he, he so it, the, it was just amazing. How, the how, therapist was able how, to understand that she was lying. Yeah, and he okay. even said she has, has a personality disorder, but a lot oh. of it is influenced okay. uh, as well. Okay, so now we're dealing with something else. We have a licensed therapist who's given a diagnosis of a personality disorder. So this is not, she did this, I did this, she did that. This is a very big mental health issue. And it may not be on your shoulders to take it on. It may be about saving yourself and saving your children and finding some way. But trying to get her to behave is probably not going to help you. My best advice is for you to stay in therapy. You go to therapy alone, explain what's happened, 
explain, ask a therapist for guidance on how to deal with this, because this is not just, you know, two healthy people um, hurting each other's feelings. This is something much deeper if you're telling me the truth about this diagnosis from the licensed therapist. So I would get into therapy yourself so that you know how to deal with this and this personality disorder. Okay, producer Kayla, who do we have next? We have Barbara with a question. Barbara. Hello, Barbara. It's Dr. Wendy. Oh, thank you, Dr. Wendy, for taking my call. I've been listening to you for a short time, but my question is a little odd. What's that? No um, question is, is too odd. I promise you somebody else has the same question. <laughs> okay. I haven't dated for 13 years. Uh-huh. And the person that I'm involved with hasn't dated for about six. We've been, I would call it virtually dating for three years. We haven't met in person, but we've done FaceTime and all that kind of stuff. And the reason being is our jobs don't coincide and we're in different parts I'm like in different parts of the country, and so is he sometimes. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't it hasn't worked out. But now, he's um, he's decided he's going. To, he, well, he he's finished his last job, and he's retiring, and he's selling his business, and he's coming out to where we are. Mm-hmm. My question is, um, I spoke with him. I told I I told him that I don't play house. I made it quite clear to him. I have a a 15 year old son. He has a nine year old daughter. Mm-hmm. And I told I I told him I don't I, I this is exactly what I said I don't live with somebody I'm not married to. Okay, well, and first I of all, Barbara, I need to I need to say a few things here. First of all, virtually dating somebody is not dating them. I know you say, but we Facetime and we talk and whatever. But just because of the fact that you, when you have a stressful moment in your day, that you don't have to respond to them, that that you don't have to be in their same space, allows you to only talk during the honeymoon times and the good mood times. And you could there's a staggered communication that happens when it's text and phone calls and Facetime, etc. Secondly, while the emotional support is the same feeling as love and the same neurohormones pipe up, it is not the same as having somebody in the same room with you. You don't haven't even smelled their pheromones. You do not even know if this person, if there's any kind of chemistry, physical chemistry with this person. So here's what I want you to do. Slow down. Can we start with a coffee date? And let me tell you, it's going to feel real awkward if you've only had a virtual relationship for three years to even see them in public in person is going to feel weird. But demanding that he move in and get married with you? No, 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 Barbara, no. Your brain is playing tricks on you because it is feelings of love because it has been providing you with emotional support. But you haven't been in the same physical space together. So let's have him fly out and you get together for a little date in public. Make sure he has his own hotel room, okay? Honestly, you are not the only person to be in this predicament. Many, many people have been in this predicament. And Barbara, just slow down. Thank you for calling. Okay, who do we have now? We have Pete with a question. Pete. Hello, Pete. It's Dr. Wendy. Hi, Dr. Wendy. Thank you for taking my call. I'm happy to. What's uh, your question? My question is about uh, trust. Uh, I'm dating this uh, woman for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, I met I met her uh, two years ago, right after she became a widow. Okay. And uh, we talk 
this is right in the middle of the pandemic. That's why we talk a lot on the phone. Yeah. And she didn't have a choice to go out of the bar with friends or nothing like that. So we ended up talk, 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 talk. And um, uh, we were talking and talking. One day she told me as when we were talking that um, she, she was unfaithful to her husband. Uh-huh. She had an affair for three years with a co-worker. Okay. And uh, her husband never find out about it. Okay. I was like, oh, wow, they, what he said about it, oh, he never find out. Mm-hmm. Uh, her mom mm-hmm. knew, her, most of her family knew, but he never find out. And uh, she felt real bad about it. And uh, I was just listening, mm-hmm. not judging or nothing. I'm like, oh, okay. And uh, she told me, like, oh, you're going to change the way you think about me. I'm like, listen, I'm nobody to judge. So, you know, okay. Uh, a few months later, uh, we met, we hugged, we kissed, we started dating. And that little thing started back in my head, like, why did she, she had an affair for three years? Because as the grieving went by her, I can see that she really loved her husband, mm-hmm. the way she was grieving. So and, uh, why did she tell you she I, was I, having an affair? Why did she tell you? The first, the first time she said because uh, her husband uh, did not give her attention and did not want to be with her sexually okay. and attention, okay? okay. Which, when, when we were, like, cold, sort of cold friends, when we were talking, that was the reason she told me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, uh, uh, well, you know, uh, I'm glad he never found out, and that was good for him. It was bad to find out something like that, and blah, blah, blah. When we were dating, I sort of, like, um, um, in a conversation... I bring out the question again about... And what'd you say this time? Let's move it along. We got radio here, so we got to go faster. What'd you say this time? Yes. This this time she said, well, it was more about power because that co-worker, she was kind of a a freak guy, and I want to, like, teach him a lesson, and, you know, because he was a foreman of of the the factory, and... She wanted to teach who a lesson? The guy she was having the affair with? Yes, yes. Yes, because he was kind of a prick with all, all the other girls. And okay. So, so I'm assuming your question is, how can you get over these feelings of mistrust? Okay, first of all, Pete, I need to say this, that for her to share this with you is called intimacy. For her to tell you she's not threatening you, she's sharing something very intimate, and she's telling you, that um, that don't judge me, right? I want it. I want you to see me for who I am, real and authentic. But it is raising your feelings of mistrust. I think it's not the question of why she's had these affairs, because both both reasons could be true. Maybe her husband didn't give her enough attention and maybe he wasn't attending to her sexually. And there was this guy at work who was on a power trip, so she's going to dominate him. Fine. All things could be true. But the question you need to ask her is, why don't you have an affair on me? Why are you so committed to me? Look for confirmation of commitment instead of imagining, because I'm telling you, if we imagine bad stuff, we create them. Ask her why she loves you. Ask her why she's there. Ask her why she doesn't have an affair. And then you'll get to where you need to get. Okay, we have time for one more. Who do we have? We have Marie with a question. Marie. Hi, Marie. It's Dr. Wendy. 
Hi, Dr. Wendy. I'm a big fan of yours, and I get Thank so much benefit out of all your advice. Um, so I dated a guy a few years ago, and I walked away kind of quietly. We didn't have a big argument about it, but he was never available on a Friday or Saturday night. He oh, that's a problem. Only date me on a thir- only date me on a Thursday night. And so I questioned it, and he said, you know, he liked to hang out with the guys or whatever. So That's a problem. If the guys are more important than you, that's a problem. Okay. So now yeah, what? Yeah, so I'm dating him again, and, you know, we had a nice time together yesterday. We had a nice evening. And, again, he's with the guys today, and he'll text me, but he won't really call because he's with his friends. Okay. And, I, you know, I have a very Marie, I don't know whether. Yeah. He's lying to you. He, he's he's lying to you. He's either married on the weekends or he's got another girlfriend. You can only text on the weekends because I'm with my guy friends. No guy on the planet would rather hang with his guy friends than be with a woman. Right. I mean, the whole reason why men work is so they can have access to more women or higher status women or better women. Or I mean, the whole reason they have their guy pack is for a little bit of emotional support. But most of their emotional eggs are in the female basket. I'm telling you, he's lying to you, Marie. And I feel this. There's no question. OK, I'm sorry. All right. If you're on hold, I'm so sorry we didn't have time to take your call. I will be taking calls next week again. I'm always here from 4 to 7 p.m. But when we come back. Love and money, holiday financial stress, and how we can solve it. You are listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. You know, you can dance in a chair with wheels on the bottom, Kayla. You see, did you see me You're looking good, girl. You're doing looking the twist good. Of that song. I loved it. Can't buy me love. The Beatles. You can't go wrong. You can't go wrong with the Beatles. They make you feel happy all the time. You choose the best music, Kayla. Thank you, Dr. Wendy. Love and money. I don't know what it is. I know what it is. The holiday season, we spend like there's no tomorrow, don't we? And then in January, all those bills come in and we're so depressed. Yep, yep. That sounds about right. I'm doing it myself right now. I'm just like, I'll I'll take care of it next year. I can't. I just got to buy this thing for this person. And so um, when you're in a relationship with somebody and you have, quote unquote, a family budget, this can bring up a lot of stuff. Now, I know it's a little late because we're almost there and you probably spent all the money already. But next year, why don't you guys make a plan and talk about it earlier? Now, I know when you have a holiday budget, it's like, well, then they'll know how much I spent on their gift. Which is why the financial planners and analysts and whatever out there say that all healthy couples should have three bank accounts. You should have a bank account for the household expenses that according to Susie Ormond, I love her, she's like one of my goddesses, she says, you put in proportionately of to what you're making. So in other words, if she makes $100,000 a year and he makes $50,000 a year and they decide that the family account for all the bills, she should put twice as much as him in the family account because you have to do it proportionately. See, Kayla's like, wrinkling up her forehead because oh, I switched no. the genders from traditional genders. All well and good. If he was making a hundred grand, you'd be like, yes, sure. He should put in twice as he's put in a hundred grand. But all Every of a year. sudden when it's a woman, it's like, mm, no, that's my keep money. Her money. <laughs> <laughs> and then keep your, I mean, decide how much you're going to put in that to cover all the bills. 
the mortgage, the utilities, the food, the gas, whatever. And then you have your each separate accounts. This allows you to have a sense of autonomy. This allows you to buy presents for the other person, right? And they don't know how much you spent. And it allows greater happiness in your relationship. Speaking of which, you probably, the next question that came up is like, well, is secret spending okay? Well, there's research on this. There's research on everything. <laughs> so if you're the kind of person that takes the leftover grocery money and buys a little something for yourself, or maybe you're hiding a separate little secret bank account for you to do your small splurge. I know a lot of women have what's called a mad money account. It's like if they ever did have to leave and, you know, who knows who's going to be a victim of domestic violence or whatever, and you got to make the run for it. There are a lot of women who have a little stash just for rainy days. Makes a lot of sense. Well, in one study, researchers found that people who often hide money from their partners um, actually have better relationships. Now, let me explain why. If you're in a healthy relationship and you do this, the next thing that you experience is guilt. You feel bad about your secret splurge. And so whether it's something little like, you know, stopping at home and eating pizza and spending money on something you probably shouldn't or a little splurge here or there. So what happens is people who have that feeling of guilt, when they go home, they invest more in the relationship in other ways. Yeah. Doing dishes, laundry, taking care of their spouse. So splurge away. I mean, if you have a healthy relationship. Um, also, I do want to address this thing briefly before we go, Kayla, that... Uh, um, I mean, before we go to break, that when women do earn more money than their husbands, we have to turn our heads around with this one. But not only do we, men have to, too. Um, there are, there's research to show that when females are the breadwinners in families, men are more likely to cheat and divorce rates are higher. What? Partly because women keep... they. They can't understand that there are other things men can invest in the relationship. Childcare, domestic responsibility, emotional support. There's all kinds of things, right, that you're investing in. But if you're constantly thinking that your husband is less than, then it could lead to divorce. That makes sense. And if he thinks that he's, if he's feeling less than, then he's more likely he's going to look outside for a woman who will appreciate him. So I want you, if the woman makes more, to think of money as a, be on the team, Right. Be on a team. And and also try as best you can to keep money and chores separately. Don't pay him by the hour for that laundry. Just be aware that he's investing in some way. And also keep talking about it. Money conversations in all relationships are sticky conversations. But you have to keep talking about it. Now, when we come back, can savers and spenders have a healthy relationship together? You might be surprised by the answer. You are listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM 640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Kayla, would you consider yourself to be a spender or a saver? I am trying to become a reformed spender. I spend, <laughs> spend, 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 baby. Okay, so I think I'm a bit of both. So I do, I never look at the price of anything. Sorry, guys, I'm showing your privilege there. Uh, it, meaning I also don't have super, super high taste. Like I wouldn't be in a store where I'd have to ask the question, how much is this? Yeah. Right. So yeah. I know basically what things cost. I just don't look at the details. And if I want something, I get it. And me and Amazon are very close friends. It's my online relationship, me and Amazon just saying. Uh, however, I hate credit card interest more than anything in the world. It is like, People stealing your money for no reason. 
And so therefore, I just have this like in inner sense that I never spend more than I can pay off every single month. So I, I don't, that's not really a saver, but it's a spender with limits. That's what I would consider myself. Now, interesting enough, spenders and savers are very likely to fall in love because we always want the opposite, right? We've, we find people who have a slightly different personality from us. They're like our puzzle piece, our fit, you know, how they match each other. And then that very thing we fell in love with that was so different from us, like introverts fall in love with extroverts, et cetera, is then we start to hate that thing about them because it's not us. Because once we start falling in love, we want to create a clone of us, apparently, and that's what happens. However, spenders and savers, according to money managers, actually accumulate the most wealth. Because whether you're playing the stock market or real estate or whatever it may be, you have to be able to tolerate risks, but you also have to be able to pull back and be conservative at time to time in your spending. So it, the research shows that spenders and savers, when they do get together, are actually a pretty good team if they can get over the fact that they're complaining about their partner all the time. So here's a few little rules that financial advisors would say if you find you're in a relationship with an opposite, you know, psychology of money person. First of all, celebrate each other, right? The best financial returns, as I just said, involve a bunch of saving and a bunch of spend, spending. It's both. You have to learn to tolerate each other's point of view. Also, be open and honest. Now, I when I talked last segment about little secret spending and secret stash, I'm not talking about major amounts that you're off buying cars and houses on the side and designer bags. I'm talking about splurging on a little something, something. Like, I don't know, some ice cream on the way home. Yeah, right? some STK or Nobu. Right. Yeah. A little, right? Um, so you can't have any secrets when it comes to two things, big financial decisions and debt. You know how many people get married and forget to ask the person they're marrying how much debt they have? Maybe they're scared. <gasps> yeah. I know. They have such abandonment issues that they're afraid that if the person says, well, I have $100,000 in student <sighs> loans, that then they'll have to break up with them. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, when you marry somebody, you marry their debt. Just saying. Right. I know. Also, set some ground rules when you're having these prickly financial conversations. Set some ground rules so you know what the boundaries are. And also work together and make a team Figure out what your biggest priority is financially and focus on that priority. Like, think about that end game. Like, whatever it is. You want to buy a house. Uh, you want to buy a certain car. You want to pay for education for your kids. Whatever. Figure out what that end game is. And whenever things get a little uncomfortable, just come back to remember our purpose. Remember our goal. Right? That's how savers and spenders get along. I also, if you are somebody who is a saver, I'm going to explain something to you. And if you're terrified of debt, I'm not terrified of debt. I'm terrified of interest. Just let's make that clear. Um, if you're terrified of debt, I want to explain that there's such a thing as good debt. There's good debt and there's bad debt, right? So when I was a kid, my parents, when they were paying the bills once a month, they would sit around the dining room table and they were so angry and unhappy. I would hear them sighing. I would hear them pound their fist on the table us three kids would just hide upstairs. We were terrified. And so the message for money based on their relationship is that conversations about money are bad. It's only going to cause fights and problems and that debt is bad. 
right? And then you hear people say, oh, I just want to pay off my house. I just don't want to have a mortgage, right? Okay, I have learned so much. First of all, here's what bad debt is. Bad debt are car loans, credit card debt. See, the thing I hate, that's bad debt. But good debt are things that produce you more money later. Education, mortgages, and even business loans where your business is going to grow, right? So for instance, if your goal is just to pay off your house, then you're going to be sitting on one deteriorating house when you could actually buy money. That's what rich people think of debt as, buying money at a good price. You could take out mortgages and buy other properties. They continue to make you money. I mean, I'm not a money advisor. I just listen to them. And so if you're somebody and you're in a relationship and you're terrified of debt, please understand the difference between good debt and bad debt. Finally, how to avoid money fights in your relationships. Don't be shy. Bring it up. If you avoid these conversations, it's only going to build fear, resentment, and it's going to make a small problem bigger. Make a list together of what your financial priorities are and actually write them down. Keep going back to that list. And remember, nothing is ever perfect. Not the diet you're on or your financial uh, schedule, your budget. Just focus on progress, not on being perfect every single month. Hey, Kayla, in this show, I feel like we've ignored all the single people. There's been a lot of advice for people in relationships, right? Yeah, what's going on? You got to talk to me, Dr. Wendy. Okay, when we come back, tricks to make someone fall in love with you. Based in science. You're listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. KFI AM640, you have Dr. Wendy Walsh with you. This is the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show, and we are in the home stretch. Producer Kayla and I were just saying this is the fastest three hours we have ever had. I love this show. I had a it blast was- <laughs> today. I feel like I was at Disney. This was awesome. Disney. <laughs> this was awesome. A little bit of gossip with some celebrity relationships. You learned a bit about your finances. Great radio, honey. Cuddling. Great radio. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. All of it. All of Lots it. Lots of great callers. Great callers. Yeah. It's wonderful. All right. I have been neglecting my listeners who are single. Uh, here are a few tricks, according to science, to help somebody fall in love with you. Maybe you got a crush on somebody and you want to like get in their radar, get them a little bit interested. Well, there's a few things you could actually do. Now, there's tons of research on this first one. Mirror your partner. So you're talking and they take off their glasses, you take off your glasses. They uncross their legs and cross the other way, you do the same thing. They don't even notice because they're busy talking, but unconsciously they pick up that they like you because you are like them. So literally just mirroring somebody's body language makes them have feelings of, huh, I like this person. They're a good person. Now, the second one seems like, duh, but, <laughs> uh, well, maybe our caller who's been having a virtual relationship, this might be new to her, actually spend time with the person. <laughs> I know it seems obvious, but there is some psychological research. There's something called the mere exposure effect, which means that the more you're exposed to somebody, the more you start to like them. I think of the example When Ted Turner created CNN Networks, he says, the news is going to be the star. People are not going to be the star. This is not going to be a personality-driven network. Okay, Larry King, Don Lemon, and it goes on. What happens is you keep people on at a consistent schedule and people start to fall in love with them. That makes sense. And you think it's obvious, but some people want to act like they're too busy or too cool because I don't want to act like I'm into you that much. You know, so you've got to be around them. Exactly. Be around them. Uh, Here's another one. 
you want to show them that you're smart, you're reliable, you're capable, but you're not perfect. Nobody actually likes a perfect person because they're like, mm, something's got to be wrong here, right? Instead, they want an authentic person because what they want to know is that they can trust you with their imperfections. And if you're too perfect, then they can't be intimate and honest and vulnerable with you. So yeah, do a little advertising about how great you are, but then also throw in some of your flaws, right? Number four, do I need to say this? Be positive. <laughs> Show your positive side. Honestly, don't go out on a date and whine and complain. Don't think that you're bonding over a common enemy when you complain about the waiter or the food or the restaurant or whatever. People don't like people when they want. Remember, feelings are contagious. And when they walk away and they feel grumpy because you were grumpy, yeah, you bonded over it, but they're not calling again, right? So be positive. Be happy. And then they leave going, wow, I really feel good after I've been with that person. I like that feeling. And this is probably the most important. And I get this question all the time on social media. People will be like, I went on this great date with this guy. He was wonderful. He was really smart. But, you know, he didn't ask me any questions about me. So what happens? And, and it's not always the fault of that particular dude they're talking about. It could be just that they're nervous. And when we're nervous, we start to talk about ourselves. But to be a good date, you want to ask questions. Be curious. Remember, everybody's favorite topic is themselves. <laughs> and so if you just continue to inquire and they're talking, they leave going, wow, I just, I really feel great about myself, right? Uh, it, I remember one time years ago, I went on a date with a guy on a dating app and he, I did my usual curious journalist thing and I asked him a lot of questions and it, one after another, after another, he answered. It never occurred to him over the course of two hours of drinks and appetizer to, for him to ask me much about myself. He commented commented on a few things that I was wearing that he liked. He liked the color of my toenail polish or something. So he was noticing me as a physical person. And then he was answering all my questions. And he was getting happier and happier because he was presenting, I think, an Academy Award-winning performance of The Perfect Prince that he was. And at the end, he's like, so when, when can I see you again? And I'm like, mm, no, I'm is that a sign that he happen. was only like physically interested, like he only wanted you physically? I, I maybe. I, I just think he wasn't really trying to grow a relationship. Mm. He was, and especially on a first meeting, everybody of all genders, let it be reciprocal. Let there be a lot of back and forth of questioning. Yes, look for commonality. If they say something like, "Oh yeah, well I just got I'm a little jet lag. Oh, where'd you get back from?" And then they tell the story that you. Oh, I remember one time I went there, but I was like that. And then you tell a story, and they say, "Oh, blah, blah, blah. and how do you deal with jet lag?" And you give a few little comments, and then and that's how the conversation builds with commonality and reciprocity. Now, if you're asking all the questions, which is important to do, and they're not stopping for a moment and asking anything about you, you're going to like ask yourself. And here's another one. It's actually research to show this. I actually tell people to put this in their dating profiles. Wear red. There used to be a movie long before your time, Kayla, called Lady in Red. And uh, it was, I don't know, some actor. I mean, it was Dudley Moore and Kelly, Kelly who, anyway. Kelly LeBrock. Kelly LeBrock. Thank you. Uh, Grown-up knows. He's <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, get ready for the old jokes yes. now. 
<laughs> and he kept seeing this girl in red and he was following her lady in red. Remember that song? Anyway, I can't sing it. But um, there is research to show that if your main profile picture, men and women, is in a red shirt, people stop just a little longer and look at it. So I always wear red nail polish. I don't get any other color besides red. And if I wear a lip, it's always a red lip. Does it have to be a garment of clothing or can it be like, hey, your nails are red and your lips are red? Well, we know what red red lips are copying. What are they? Remember the episode of Mating Matters podcast about uh, hidden eggs where fertility (gasps) is concealed in humans? And so every other primate advertises when they can get pregnant and they advertise it with external, very bright red swellings, big Monkey butts, okay? You've seen them in National Geographic, all right? I just thought that, it looked good on me. That tells the males <laughs> that she's ready to reproduce. But, but humans don't have that, right? So we have concealed fertility where for only three days of the month she's fertile. Men can't tell, and sometimes women can't even tell. But unconsciously, I think we copy our primate cousins because we do the red lips, it's really the only color I feel comfortable Ooh. with on my face. It's not because I'm trying to get impregnated tonight. I no, swear wait. I'm not. I swear. I swear. I just but love that. It shows it's a tra- it's attractive, mm. right? It's attractive is what it is. So it may work. But the red shirt, red dress also works. If you're going on a first date, wouldn't it be funny if two people met on an app and they heard all my science and they meet on their first coffee date and they're both wearing red? <laughs> That's a marriage make. That's right. <laughs> All right. So um, we are bringing this show to a close. I want to remind everybody, I am here at KFI AM 640 every single Sunday from 4 to 7 p.m. Somewhere in like, when is it? Like the late 5 o'clock, early 6 o'clock hour, we do take your calls. If you're shy and don't want to call in, you can post a message in my DMs during the week. Kayla, you check Instagram and TikTok. So just put a little, and, and I won't use your name. If I see it in, on my app, I know that I'll keep your, you know, because people are listening. The person you're talking about that you're in a relationship with is listening. So I'll keep it anonymous. You can leave me your little relationship story and I'll be happy to weigh in. And it is my honor always to weigh in. I am fascinated with the science of love I have been thinking about and reading research about the science of, and I have colleagues who know I'm like this. Like, remember we've had on our show Dr. Kevin Volkin from time to time, and he's actually used to like what well, the founder of the psychology department at Cal State Channel. And he sends me an article yesterday going, "You'd love this one," and it was on like putting women in MRI machines and showing I don't know how they did this when they stimulated their genitals. They looked at what areas of the brain thickened, mm. and then they asked them like over the last few months how many organs orgasms they had and they compared the thickness they actually found an orgasm in the female brain is fascinating what it is. fascinating I, know, I read this stuff my friends send me the articles your, your listeners send you articles too all the time in your dms they do. yeah they i know do. i love those articles yeah. it keeps me alive anyway i love you all i will see you next sunday hear you next sunday right here on kfi am 640 you've been listening to the dr wendy walsh show our mo kelly is next lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.